Quinn Lundquist. Hi, I'm Lindsay Grove. And welcome to Viral, the show where two public health nerds talk about the history of plagues, disease outbreaks, and the people who work behind the scenes to keep us safe and healthy. It is day four of National Public Health Week. Are you feeling it? I am feeling it. It's Are you Thursday. feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Oh, God. <laughs> So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about um, injury prevention, injury and violence prevention. Yes. And we're going to do things a little bit differently today uh, because injury and violence prevention has become a, a pretty, uh, pretty big topic recently due to uh, the Parkland shootings and just... Um, a wider conversation about how do we prevent injury and violence. Yeah. And our episode a few weeks ago is now technically like out of date because I heard the Dickey amendment is now no more and that the CDC is no longer prohibited from doing research on gun violence. It doesn't fund any research was, on gun violence, so it's one say. of those things that they just say, you're now not not allowed to. We're just, <laughs> just not necessarily... sad that that's a good thing in our, yeah. our in 2018. But I, I know there was some speculation, though, that the way they worded it was, uh, you know, the ability to do research to find the causes of gun violence... And so some people are worried that that's too narrow of a scope. But the funding issue, I think that's like front and center. And, so. and will they be comfortable devoting yeah. funding to this? Yeah. Although because you immediately, no pun intended, putting a target on your back for having every single dollar that you spend on this research topic not just be scrutinized, but challenged by the oh, NRA sure. and other groups. <clears throat> So sure. that's going to be tough. But, I mean, it is kind of a step forward. Well, and we've also, to your point, we've also seen, you know, uh, there's been some, I would say, some level of censorship when talking about budgetary issues. We had the, you know, seven banned words. Um, and it wasn't that the CDC couldn't use those words. It's that they were discouraged from using them when, when talking about what to spend their budget on. So, yeah. which is, I think, just as problematic. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Florida, I think, um, reversed the docks and glocks. They did. Um, ban or whatever from from doctors being not allowed to talk about guns in the home, mm -hmm. uh, pediatricians not being able to talk about these things, the parents of children that are their patients. Um, so that's, that's a good thing. Um, I still think these are kind of smaller issues in terms of like the number of guns in the country and just how prevalent it is uh, for people to solve their problems using guns and just looking at data from how we compare to other countries in the world it's I don't even I don't even know where to start it's stark yeah it's stark but the difference tell me about the March for Our Lives. 
I would love to tell you about that. That you went to. You didn't go to the No, I did March not go to Washington, D.C. Um, we were very fortunate to have actually two different marches in our region. So uh, I went to the St. Petersburg March, which uh, it was reported that there was about 1,500 people. Uh, but the actual Tampa March had 13,000 people. Wow. So Nice. Uh, so it was really great. There were a lot of... Uh, a lot of different people there. Uh, one of the things that I think that was probably the most salient and impactful things uh, I experienced while I was there was just the the high school students speaking. And it wasn't it wasn't Parkland students that had obviously they have a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, they, they were, were at in DC. They were in DC, but we had local students speak, and they were incredibly powerful. And actually, uh, the MC of the entire event was a freshman at USF. Really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So these high school students are incredibly well organized, great communicators, um, understand the power of social media, and I mean, they're a force to be reckoned with. It's really, it's really interesting to see this movement evolve. Mm-hmm. So. Although, you know, one thing that I keep thinking about is the the fact that, and I have to word this delicately, the, the shooting in Parkland, which was tragic and horrible, is, and, and is one of a series of related um, mass shootings, you know, the why haven't we seen this same kind of level of outrage for gun violence in um, low-income minority communities in Chicago, in Baltimore, and in other places where it's not like one event happens and it's really dramatic. It's more like events are happening every day, every week. And they don't even make the news anymore. Mm-hmm. But an affluent white community in South Florida has something like this happen. And all of a sudden, it's now propelling the conversation forward. It's like, yeah, well, this stuff has been going on across the country for yeah, years now. I was just going to say, it's right. I mean, Black Lives Matter has been talking about gun violence in their communities for a very long time. Um you know, I know some people will argue that, well, this has been kind of in the context of, you know, police brutality, but... It, gun, I'm talking about gang violence. I was just going to say, just gun about- violence in general has been happening for a very long time. And and even, I mean, it, it's it's been crazy to see, you know, some of the talking points from, you know, the, the pro-gun uh, side of the argument. This is the price of freedom. Or they're like, well, the whole thing with, you know, when you do start to talk about, you know, issues in communities of color, they use Chicago as like, I mean, they use Chicago as an example. It's insane to me. And there's a lot of very simple, reasonable explanations. Well, the common thing that they go to is, well, Illinois has really tough gun laws and look at what's happening there. But you know what? Indiana doesn't. Nope. And Michigan doesn't. Nope. And... People a lot of surrounding cross states don't. the border exactly and and do it the, so that is the most crazy expl- or, you know cop out 
Kind of. No, no, it is. And, you know, you hear that argument, but in the same token, it's like, okay, so what's your solution besides arming more people? Yeah, like arming the teachers. And now, actually, in our own... We won't back, give them pencils or... Yeah, uh, let's not actually equipment. fund them to be able to do their jobs, but let's give them a gun. And actually, in our own backyard in St. Pete, they're pulling police off the streets to put them into schools. Yeah, I know that the police chief um, is going to have to hire more um, more officers. And until they can hire, they're taking officers from their street beats and putting them in or near schools. So I don't know how the solution to too much gun violence is let's put more guns in the situation. Like if your kid hits another kid with a stick, you shouldn't just say, let's give everyone sticks. That'll make this problem go away. It's like, well, no. <laughs> Every Like a lot of eyes are going to be gone. Yeah, it's not going to be good. But, I mean, I I am encouraged by the Parkland kids. I think they are inspirational. Um, I just also don't want to forget about the people who have been saying the same messages for years and not getting listened to. 100%. So, um, and I think that we have to remember that we could hold two ideas in our head at the same time. That we can support and encourage these kids, but also see the context of mm-hmm. how this is being portrayed versus the daily tragedies in a lot of um, other communities of mostly low-income people. Mm-hmm. I, I did see, and I thought this was great, that um, the American Journal of Public Health is making all of their articles related to firearm research completely open access. That's interesting. Yep. And the rationale was, you you know, you hear a lot that, you know, people don't have access to good research in order to make informed policy decisions and be able to, you know, uh, accurately advocate for reform. And so AJPH said, you know what? We are, you know, the leading public health journal. We're going to make these articles open access so you have access to these uh, to this research, yeah. which I think is great. That is good. Thanks, Alfredo. The fake air horn will never not be funny for I me. I know, seriously. Well, um, that will be all for today. We want to let you all know that um, we have a website. Visit us on www.viral-pod.com to sign up for our emails and to learn more about us and the show. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever people review podcasts. We really want to hear from you. Um, If you have a suggestion for a future topic, let us know using the email form on our site. Our intro and outro music is Take Your Medicine by The Quick and Easy Boys. And as always, please remember to wash your hands. I'm Lindsay Grove. I'm Quinn Lundquist. We'll be back tomorrow for the final day of National Public Health Week, and we're going to talk about the right to a healthy life. Woo!